You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAD. How are you today? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. What can I help you with? So a lot of my questions revolve around being a reapplicant and also okay. someone who is non-traditional. Awesome. So I previously applied to medical school in May of 2020. Okay. No interviews, no acceptances, and I'm trying to figure out how to get my application prepped if there are some things that I need to be doing or should be doing within yeah. this next year and um, kind of just like where to start after, you know, applying and not getting any interviews. Yeah. So let's let's do some self-reflection here. All yes. right. So let's. <laughs> Let's uh, close the eyes. Let's visualize. Let's what what did that application look like that caused zero interviews and obviously zero acceptances? So I I I know it was my MCAT score. Okay. I had submitted everything by May. Was had already submitted all my secondary applications. Unfortunately, right after I submitted everything for my primaries, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. So I was studying for the MCAT. And working on that kind of stuff and working remotely. (laughs) So I was trying to juggle everything. And I was in this spot where I was like, well, I don't know if I'm confident, but I have to do it. I have to take this MCAT because it's the last piece of the puzzle. (laughs) Out of 500. Okay. (laughs) Was not a good score. So, so I, not horrible, but it's, it's not, not great. It's it's what's considered average, but for the schools that I applied to, yep. it just wasn't going to cut it. Yep. So I think that was a major piece of my application of okay. what. And were you were you trapped in that that because that time period May of 2020? There's this little thing like the start of the pandemic where the MCAT was getting canceled everywhere. Were you stuck yep. in that as well? Yeah, I w- I originally had it for I think it was like April okay. and pandemic yep. they pushed everything and I think the earliest one I could get was August. I think okay. they had some in September, but by then I was like it's not going to make much of a difference cuz I think they were doing the two week score releases, so it was still within the same time period. Yeah. Okay. So, MCAT score is obviously a big factor. GPA wise, okay, not an issue. Um, you know, so in undergrad, I had to really get my GPA up. I started at Rutgers University with a 2.3 transferring okay. in as a sophomore. I got it up to a 3.4. Wait, so so pause. So transferring in as a sophomore with a 2.3 because of dual enrollment through high uh, school? No. Community so college. I was originally at a local community college for okay. my first year. Got it. Transferred in, um, started at Rutgers um, my first semester, I got a 2.3, not a, not oh, okay. a good time. So, so <laughs> 2.3 is what I started at with Rutgers. My well, no, you didn't, semester. you didn't start there. That's what you or got your first, first semester. Okay. Yeah. My first GPA first semester. At what did you get at the community college? Ah, <laughs> uh, I think it was like a three, five. Okay. So it was a really big dip three, five. <laughs> and, and so, so you're the very common one where it's like, you don't want to go to a community college go to the university and then completely tank because then yes. the school is going to go, well, obviously you did well at community college and you didn't do well at university. So it's perpetuating this like philosophy, yeah. this theory that community college is just easier, whatever. So, okay. I, think I, I just, I think it, when it came to a lot of the pre-med classes, because I had advisors saying, well, because you're going to a community college, you're not going to go to med school. Like, so I kind of had like this lack of confidence going into it. So I started with, <sighs> Orville, started with physics. Yeah. Tank. 
Yeah. Okay. I got my GPA up to a 3.4 though. I figured okay. it's still not where I want it. I okay. did a master's 3.4 for the semester, 3.4 overall. Ending, ending. Ending. So that yeah. means if if you started 3.5, 2.3-ish, then you were crushing it, like 3.8, 3.9, 4.0-ish. Yeah, I, I remember my senior year, I was like working full-time, 20 credits, all A's. I was like, I need to show them that I'm capable of doing this. Love it. And and I, I really- And I, you I did, did it. Well. I'm very proud of myself. Okay. For <laughs> but for some reason, you thought you needed more. Yes. Okay. So I went and did the, like a specialized master's program at Rutgers, their medical school. Okay. And I ended up getting a three nine five. Holy so cow! I I really I did the thing. So so three nine five at an SMP is is like unheard of. So uh, I got one B. Was not happy. Terrible. Horrible. Happy. Horrible. I know. I was like, I might as well drop down now. Okay. <laughs> so GPA wise, you're you're completely fine. Okay. MCAT wise. Okay. So what are we doing for the MCAT? It's I have always had this problem of standardized testing. It's been just a mess. Okay. I always lack that confidence, but the second, so I took it twice. The first time I did 500. Okay. I did a whole prep class with Kaplan. Okay. Um, well, that was I your first problem. Blueprint. I know. I, <laughs> I, I did. No, no, no. I had blueprint, um, the question bank, which was really okay. helpful. And so I was scoring around like a 509, 510. Okay. And then I go in the morning of, didn't sleep well the night before, <sighs> get to 503. <sighs> So okay. I know that I can do it, but it's just, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's a hurdle that I have yet to cross. <laughs> yeah. So my first suggestion is that's number one. It's awesome. You understand that about yourself, that you, you, you have some anxiety around standardized tests and about going in. And then what I typically see is students, especially with test anxiety to begin with, who need to go and retake the MCAT, you put all of this external pressure on yourself of like, yeah. if I don't do it this time, then I'm never going to get into med school. And it's just not the case unless it's your seventh time. And then, and then we're struggling, yeah. right? Because you could only take it seven times. <laughs> praise, praise the Lord. Like we don't have to take it seven times. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, the, the fact that you know that is awesome. And guess what? There are people out there who can help you with this. They're called therapists. I know. Have you talked? And I see two. I I have two therapists in my life. Have you talked to anyone about your test anxiety? No, because I never I never thought of that. Actually, I I figured for not to say that this isn't like a real life issue, but yeah. I didn't know that this was something that if I went to a therapist, would they know what I was talking about or yeah. understand? I guess that yeah, what I was going through. So and go on to Google. Yeah. Google <laughs> Google test anxiety the pre-med years. Dr. David Pewter is a physician. He's a psychiatrist, but he does a lot of test anxiety work with medical students. And so oh, okay. there are people out there who can help you with this. So you can go find test anxiety specialists. I mean, a normal kind of marriage therapist or, or uh, whatever kind of therapist, family therapist, obviously is probably not who you want to go talk to, just like you wouldn't go see a pulmonologist if you have a broken bone. So you right. got to go find the specialist that can potentially help you with this, whether yeah. that's 
uh, some sort of medical therapy. If you need, like some people will take beta blockers just to slow their heart rate down. Like before they go give a big speech, they'll, they'll take a beta blocker just to calm them down. Right? They, slowing their heart rate down helps keep them calm. So there are ways potentially to, to work through this. So that's, yeah. that's step number one is is making sure that the anxiety part, the stress of of needing to take the test again and the pressure that you're putting on yourself is as little of a factor as possible in your score. Yeah. Cuz I know it's always going to like there's always going to be some stress always. when it comes to always. taking a test that's 7 yeah. hours long at 7 o'clock in the morning. But <laughs> 7 and a half, don't don't yeah. sell it short. <laughs> I know. Let me <laughs> But I, I think that's also why I took this additional gap year because okay. the thought of taking the exam twice and then having to get right back into studying, I was yeah. like, I can't even, the thought of doing that, I no. would rather just, yeah. just <laughs> I hear you. think about it. I hear you. So yeah. I, I've taken the last kind of year or so to just do whatever I want. Okay. Like I've never had that opportunity in undergrad, graduate school, because I was working and going to school and all these other things of just like, if I want to watch HGTV, I'll just do that. If I want to go- Who doesn't want to watch HGTV? I know. I'm a big, I'm a big HGTV gal, but I took the time, like I got two dogs and it's like, that's what I've spent my time doing. And although it's been great for me, that's also something that I worry about reapplying of medical school seeing, asking, well, what did you do with these gap years? Yeah. I haven't been like, I currently work in a remote setting where I work with sponsors and I'm still in clinical research, but I'm not having that patient facing experience that I had for so many years. Yeah. So I worry about them seeing that gap and saying, well, why is she, why did she leave patient facing experiences to do something like this? And she hasn't done any volunteering. I mean, given COVID, you can't really go into hospitals and volunteer anymore, but you know, even with e-shadowing and things like that, mm-hmm. is there something else that I need to be doing just to show that I still am in this, I guess? Yes. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry about what you've done because you can't change that. Right. The only thing that you can help yourself with that is just the narrative that you come forward with. So if they say, what were you doing doing during this time? You were saying, ah, I was taking a break. Uh, I think I overdid it. I had taken the MCAT. I applied and I was just stressed out and I just want to take a break. Whatever that narrative is for you that, right. that you feel you're most comfortable telling that that fits your truth as much as possible. What's, what's done is done. Now it's like, okay, I'm ready to apply again. Are, are you applying this cycle or no, next cycle? Not this cycle, next cycle. Okay. So you still have many months, almost a year until the next yeah. cycle opens up. So tomorrow you could go out and find a scribe job. You can find a medical assistant job. You can go do something where you're more patient facing again. Mm-hmm. And and just moving forward, do the things that you know you've been missing and and allow yourself that grace of of taking some time and, and HGTVing it up. <laughs> That's okay. I guess I like, like watching I Property Brothers. Like I know. You, I mean, you can't go wrong. Fixer upper, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like another because the I guess the reason why I haven't um looked at like a, a scribe job or anything like that as of recently, because I already I work full time. So it's 
and I love my job right now. Like it, okay. it works well for me. It's, it's a good schedule where I can still do the things that I would like to do. And it gives me the flexibility of studying for the MCAT when mm-hmm. I will begin doing that again. So it's, it's tough to, do I take on another part-time job for something like that? Or I guess like, what do you recommend in that case? I, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think you, you've, find something that works for you with your schedule, with what you want to do. I think too many students think black or white, A or B. And they they don't think about, well, there's either or, they don't think of and, right? You you can do both. You You can have the job that gives you the flexibility now. And you can find something that you can add on that doesn't add a lot of stress and time commitment. Maybe it's like one day every few weeks, one day a month, whatever it is, that's giving you the the patient facing, the clinical experience side of things that allows you to kind of remember why you're doing this, reconfirm that you want to keep doing this. Um, right. and, and so there's, I don't think there's a right or a wrong way that you can proceed forward. Okay. That's good to know. Cause I, you know, it's, it's all about trying to find the right balance right now. And it's, I don't want to take on too much and say, well, okay, well I'll go do another part-time job and then end up being like, okay, well now I'm too burnt out. I can't even yeah. get over the MCAT hurdle. So yep. that's, um, that's a good concept. Um, another question that I had was since I'm going to be reapplying, I have letters that I use the first time around mm-hmm. where is it inappropriate to reuse those letters? Like, I don't know if my application was even seen. Yeah. And I know for some schools, they want a letter from a science professor. Mm-hmm. They want um, certain, you know, like somebody that you shadowed or yep. worked with. And it's been like, what, two or three years since I've been in a science class. Can I still yep. use those letters or should I try and reach out to these professors again? Like, I, I worry that it will come off as ingenuine of saying, well, Hey, I know I haven't talked to you in three years, but can you write this for me? Yeah. So I'll I'll give you the ideal scenario. The ideal scenario is you do reach out tomorrow, today, as soon as we hang up and say, Hey, Professor Smith, um, I want to thank you again for writing me a letter. Unfortunately, it didn't get in. Uh, I'll be reapplying next cycle here's what I've been up to, how are things with you, blah, 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 right? Rekindle that connection, that that friendship, mentorship, whatever that relationship was, rekindle that relationship and just say, um, one of the things that uh, was recommended is that I get a letter of recommendation that's dated the year that I applied to medical school. Okay. If it's possible, can you just redate your letter of recommendation at a bare minimum and mm-hmm. and resubmit it when I'm ready next cycle. If you want to add anything, I'm happy to provide any extra details that you need of what I've been doing. Okay. All right. So just go rekindle that relationship. That's the best case scenario. If they ghost you, you don't hear from them, they say no, whatever, you can use an older letter of recommendation. I'm assuming they're still in some sort of Interfolio or somewhere where you can access yeah, them. Like a university bank. Yeah. Pre-med bank. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I guess, so this was a question that I had. So I know that you said mainly focus on the MCAT, that the GPA is good. So mm-hmm. I also, and maybe it's because like Reddit can kind of be a cesspool sometimes, but <laughs> sometimes um, 
I, it's better I than see, student doctor network. Oh, uh, I don't even stray there. <laughs> Good. I don't even go there. Um, I've seen individuals saying that it may be worth it to retake classes that maybe you got to see in an undergrad, like for organic chemistry and physics. Do you think it's even worth it at this point? No. C minus. Yes. C no. Okay. okay. That's, that's all that I need to hear. And then um, the other question. So I know when it comes to the personal statement, it's, I guess it's in relation to the letters. So I, I'm the, the, general question that I have regarding the personal statement. So my main like reason for why I want to become a physician, it hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it is like, is it okay to pull from my original personal statement and tweak it? Because I don't, you know what I mean? Like there's certain things about my life that are, that have already happened and, you know, taking a scribe job or something like that, that's not going to be my reason why um, I pursue this. So I don't know if it's appropriate to, obviously I don't want to reuse the entire statement, but I've heard things where it's like, you shouldn't use any of it. You should completely do an entirely new statement with none of the things that you said before. (laughs) I guess, is there an in-between or something? So so there's always an in-between, right? The (laughs) in-between is almost always the right answer. Um, If you did what we, we recommend, I recommend, in terms of how you wrote your personal statement the first time, which is a, a story about why you want to be a doctor. That typically, at least the framework that I use of seed and then watering the seed, your seed hasn't changed, right? Whatever it was, when it, where, wherever you were exposed to healthcare in some way, that made you think of this thing as a career and potentially wanting to go explore that for yourself, that doesn't change, right? Just because you didn't get into med school the first time, just because you have taken a break, just because you go and take a new scribe job, like the reason why you started doing this all in the first place doesn't change. And so right. you, you can't change that part of your personal statement because the, the personal statement is still, why do you want to be a doctor? So you can't make something up. So you're going to use a lot of the same narrative about why you're doing this. Now, what you can change is some of the language because you've grown as a person. Our society, our language changes a lot as as we continue to grow, right? We say cap and no cap these days. Um, like, don't put that in your personal statement, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, um, Language changes, so so reread it, massage it, use language that you would use now that feels comfortable for you now, and potentially there are supporting experiences that maybe you feel better support your reasons why you want to do this now, now that it's a couple of years after. Okay. And should I, I guess, address or talk about any of the, I guess, this gap that I've taken or is that something that I should leave I guess towards the secondary leave for secondaries yeah because the personal statements why do you want to be a doctor so taking gap again doesn't doesn't necessarily change that your activities will reflect some gaps potentially and then secondary essays where schools are specifically asking if you've graduated what have you been up to okay all right and um I was hoping I didn't realize that all my questions would be answered that quickly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And yeah, I'm sorry. I know that we still have like five more minutes. Is that? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So question moving forward, 
you took a a uh, Kaplan course before. Full length exams are a huge part of doing well on the MCAT. Blueprint has some really good full length exams, so go go check them out. And you I get, know there's there's some free ones. You I get did some take free, a free ones. One back good. Twenty twenty, but yeah. I don't know if I utilize it as well. So I'm hoping I'm out of that window where I won't remember anything that I've seen. So that's my it. next. Uh, you got that's it. my next thing. Do you have any codes? For us. Uh, no, no codes, uh, no, no codes. codes. Just check them out. Yeah, they they don't do codes anymore, unfortunately. Um, but the the big thing, like I mentioned before, uh, go on, just go onto Google um, and search MCAT or test anxiety pre mid years and find that episode I get I did again with Dr. David Pewter. Awesome, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 